This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to a special Christmas Eve edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James DeVoe from NBC5 Chicago. A little bit under the weather today, but still persevering for you guys. And with me, as always, is the one and only Joy, Pride and Joy of Homewood, Illinois, Jay Zawoski of 6th of the Score and the Lockdown Blackhawks Podcast. Jay, first of all, Merry Christmas Eve to you. And second of all, what a gift the Blackhawks gave us <laughs> last night with a... Uh, that was an interesting game against the New Jersey Devils, I must say. Yeah, that's interesting as a way to put it. That's certainly a way to put it. Merry Christmas to you and to Laura, your wife, and everybody um, listening. Obviously, we greatly appreciate your support as our fifth calendar year closes out. Man, it's been a long time we've been doing this. It's, it's pretty great, and thank you all for the continued support. Hope you have a great holiday. Um, but yeah, dude, that was... Uh, boy, if you, missed, uh, if you chose to miss Monday Night Talks game... Good move by you, because it was about as bad as it could possibly be. And as you know, the Hawks had won two games in a row, beating Winnipeg 4-1, to then beating Colorado 5-3, and maybe their most impressive performance of the year. And they had this opportunity, all of a sudden, to take eight of the last ten available points against the second-worst team in hockey, and they came out and lost... 7-1. to one. Not only did they lose 7-1, to one, they lost 7-1 to one on home ice, went 0-7 on the power play, and gave up a shorthanded goal. It was about as bad of a game as you could possibly imagine. We're going to cover that. We're also going to get to the weirdness surrounding Brent Seabrook. There was a report on Saturday from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman talking about his future. Then John Dietz of the Daily Herald had a Biven update yesterday. So there's a lot to get to, but we are going to start with the on-ice product first. And yeah, I, James, in the post-game press conferences, I watched everybody talk, Taves, uh, Leonard, uh, uh, Colleton, and the word that kept coming around was embarrassing. And it was. that That's an embarrassing loss. And to close out 
you know, the games before your holiday break with a missed opportunity like that, it's almost inexcusable. Yeah, I kind of hope everybody gets coal in their stocking after a performance like that, right? Like, it's just, it's one of those things that you want to go into break with momentum, especially with how well you played in your last couple of games. They'd won three of four. Things were kind of rolling a little bit for them. And then they just came out, and once again, for probably, what, the 10th or 11th time this season, just laid a complete and total egg. And this time they did it on home ice, and like you said, with seven power play opportunities and against a team that just traded its best player yeah, and is pretty freaking bad. They'd be the worst team in the NHL if it weren't for the Detroit Red Wings. Like the Devils, I cannot overstate how bad they are. And they've already fired their coach. They've traded their best player. And they just beat you by six freaking goals like that. Yeah, how am it, I supposed to take a team seriously if they can't put up a better effort against a team like that? Like it's it's one of those things that I've tried to stay really even keel. You have during this season. And it's really hard not to just like scrape the bottom of the barrel and just say fire everybody after a performance like that. Well, see, for, for me, this one, I, I don't put this one on Cowton. And look, I called for him to be fired a month ago because it just feels like the team doesn't listen to them, but whatever. These guys, they have to go out and play. And you can say, you know, a coach should be a motivator, this and that, this and that. Well, then he needs credit for the Avalanche win and credit for the Jets win, right? The This team is still under the impression that they're good to elite. And I know it's a difficult adjustment for all the guys who were part of those three Stanley Cups during the 2010s. But I said it on this morning's Lockdown Podcast, I'll say it again. In seven days, the 2010s are over, officially. They've been over on the ice for a long time, but they're over, over, officially. This team needs to wake up and realize that if they're going to compete, if they're going to have a shot at a playoff spot, they have to outwork their opponent every night. That's what they did against Colorado. That's how they got the win. They were skating their asses off. They were finishing their checks. And they came into that game last night and just said, oh, the Devils, we're going to walk all over the Devils. Watch this. Watch the show we put on. And then the Devils said, no, screw that. We're going to kick your ass and did. That can't happen. A performance like that against a team like that can't happen. And when we look back on this season, the worst losses were against the worst teams. The losses to San Jose, the losses to the Kings. Now this loss to New Jersey. They play well against better teams because they prepare. The Blackhawks have lost to the Devils twice. The Devils have nine wins. How is that possible? <laughs> I think I'm sorry. I think they have eleven wins or twelve wins. The Red Wings have nine wins. We should update it's twelve people on the now. Road. Yeah, yeah. They have twelve wins. Two of them are against the Blackhawks. Like, come on! How does that happen? The Blackhawks beat them in a shootout. By the way, I don't know if. Oh you... yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my thing wrong. But still, you had to get to the shootout against the New Jersey Devils. But the the Sharks game, notwithstanding the Kings game, how do they come out after the great effort? I said after after Saturday's game, it felt like a turning point. It felt like it could be one of those flashpoint moments where we say they figured out what they have to do to win hockey games. They did it. They beat a good team on the road. And this is the response at home ahead of a break? Oh, my God. It's brutal. It is infuriating. And and I'm trying not to, like, blow up after every loss and throw a party after every win. But this loss especially, any faith that they had built up over the last week, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. And, and you saw plenty of people on social media calling for 
Jeremy Colleton's head calling for Stan Bowman's head. And like I said, I've been trying to keep it as even keel as possible. I know that an 82 game season is really long. Your worst moments are never what you really are and neither are your best moments. But boy, howdy, does it feel like we've had a lot more of those quote unquote worst moments than best moments this season. Don't you agree? Like it, it just, it feels like for every high that we've had with this team this season, We've had at least two or three just comically bad lows. Definitely. And the other but the other thing that happens too is when you're finally ready to pull the plug and say, okay, they suck, right? They're done. They're not good. Like two weeks ago, they lose five one to the Knights. They lose five two to the Coyotes. Then they have that epic blown game against the Blues. And you're like, that's it. They suck. They're terrible. Their bottom feeders blow it up. Then they win three or four. And you're like, oh, okay. Maybe they figured things out, and then they lose 7-1 to the Devils. This has been the way the season's been all year, and as soon as you're ready to make a change or make some declaration about if they're for real or not for real, we know they're not for real, but if they're a playoff contender or not, they they change the narrative. Whichever you decide, the next week they're going to change it for you. So watch them go beat Newton, the Islanders and Columbus and Calgary, win three in a row, and they'll be like, well, you never know, and then they'll get their ass kicked in the next game. That's just how it, it always works that way with this team. <laughs> they are, I, I think the one thing that we can conclusively say after 38 games, we're almost halfway through the season already, dude. Oof, I, I know early. that we've said repeatedly that we can't really put a finger on what the Blackhawks are. I think the one thing we can say about them is they're just flat out not good enough. Like, we, I don't, I'm not going to say they're god awful because we've seen the flashes, but. This team right now is currently constructed simply is not good enough for what they should realistically be with the top tier talent that they do have on this roster. And yes, I know you're dealing with injuries to Brandon Saad and Brent Seabrook, but you know what? Every team deals with injuries during a season. You can't continuously use that as an excuse. And I'll be honest with you, if Brandon Saad and Brent Seabrook were playing last night, you probably still would have gotten blown out. Like, I don't think that they ultimately made the difference in a six-goal loss. So I think that it's hard to just, like, say, blow everything up right now, but it's getting to that point where what other option are you going to have? I The more and more I see of this, the more convinced I am that not only is Jeremy Colleton going to be gone at the very least after the season, I think Stan Bowman is going to be too. Well, the fact that nothing's been done yet, that there hasn't been any sort of, like, little tweak trade here or there or you know look i'm on board for a full rebuild i think everybody is but they realistically can't because who's going to take these bad contracts off their hands specifically brent seabrook but like i don't know you'd figure that with the way the season's gone they'd identify something they need and try to get it and they haven't and it doesn't feel like anything's imminent we saw what two weeks ago we, there were reports that the Canadians were sniffing around, and I, I mentioned that last month that they've been scouting Ice Hogs games and Blackhawks games, but nothing's come of it. Are they going to look to fleece us out of another player like Philip Dano? <sighs> they might have to. If, if it's gonna, maybe they'll take on Brent Seabrook and take a prospect from us. I don't know. Did you see the uh, the trade rumor from uh, good old Eklund about that the other day? Uh, no, I never. I never. Oh. Oh my God! For it the was record, a whopper. Just for the record, if you tweet me an Eklund report, I will immediately ignore it because <laughs> it's just not true. I just I saw it and it was like so beyond preposterous that I was uh, gonna comment on it. But what was it? I mean, we don't have to. 
No, I didn't see it. What was it? Uh, let's just say it involved Drew Doughty and Jonathan Taves. What? What would that accomplish? It's literally, it was the trade. This is, I swear to God, this was the trade. Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith for Drew Doughty and a prospect. Drew Doughty's cap hit is $11 million. Oh, the combined cap hit for Taves and Keith is like 16. Okay. Doughty is signed through 2026-27. <laughs> Absolutely not. If they make that trade, no, they can't. There's no way. If they make that trade, not only should Sam Bowman be fired, he should be put on a train and ridden out of the United States, just like dumped into the ocean. <laughs> I didn't know a lot of train lines uh, actually just went into no, the ocean. I'm going to build one that just, like in the end of uh, Back to the Future 3, spoiler alert, a train drives off a bridge. Um, okay, that's fair. <laughs> but I, I just was like, is this literally like a constructed... Uh, <laughs> it's going to be. A constructed train line that just goes into the water? Yes. No, I'm going to build one. that Just for Sam Well, Bowman. you could with all the money that you're spending on those guys then. Yeah, exactly. God, oh my. Lackland is the damn worst. The worst. I, has he ever actually called a trade? I'm sure he's been right because there have been some trades that everyone knows is going to happen. Right? Like, I'm trying to think like the the second time the Hawks got Andrew Ladd. Like give Getty Malkin to the uh, Blackhawks. Yeah, that was going to happen a lot. That that one happened all, all the time. Or but, was that if, if Getty Malkin to the Kings? Yes, that too. But the I think that like, for, I don't know if he called this one, but the Andrew Ladd trade was one everyone saw coming. It had been whispered about for weeks, and then it finally happened. I think those would be the ones you'd get right because you're just like take a shot in the dark. But no, he's and I, we talk about this around the trade deadline all the time. People are so hungry for rumors that they look for them everywhere. But then when they don't happen, they don't like actually go back and check who who was wrong and who was right. They're just hungry for the news and hungry for the excitement not caring whether or not the, the source was correct. Eklund's never right, but he's had this Hockey Buzz website for years, and there's people that write for the site that I think know what they're talking about, but all the things, those like E1 through 5 rankings are ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> no, the, he is so rare. Go back and check. Go check like a pre-trade deadline um, report and see how many of things actually came to fruition. Nothing, nothing, ever. I just I wanted to present you with that. Uh, I wanted to provide some levity here. That was the first thing I thought of was how ridiculous that trade was. <laughs> yeah, it was. That's about as bad as I've heard. And yeah, you free up some money, but you're killing yourself for the next what nine years? No. Anyway, um, so I don't know. Like, where are you at on this? Are you you know you've been and you you've said you've tried to stay level headed all year. You've done a really good job at it. Way better of a job than I've done. But at this point, I think most people listening, and I think you and me agree that we're on board for a rebuild. But what is that going to look like realistically? Are you just going to dump Duncan Keith for a prospect? Are you going to trade Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane? Like, I, I have a really hard time believing that a team with John McDonough running it is going to rush to do that. I don't know. But you look at the Red Wings. It's a really good example of a team that tried to win and keep their stars around and keep their fan favorites around while rebuilding. And it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. You have to either do it or don't, but they can't. So here's the problem. They can't reload because they don't have the cap space to reload. They can't rebuild because the contracts they have are unmovable. They're stuck. 
in this hockey hell, and we keep mentioning the Detroit Red Wings, if you haven't been paying attention, the Red Wings are 9-26-3 and and have a minus 68 goal differential. That is as bad of a team as I've seen in my lifetime. That's absolutely horrible. The uh, 1991-92 Ottawa Senators would like a word. That's Well, that's an expansion team, right? Yeah, and they won one road game, which was hilarious. Here's the Red Wings' fir- third line. Franz Nielsen, who is a known player. <laughs> Br- Brendan Perlini, Blackhawks legend, Brendan Perlini. Sorry. <laughs> He's a guy that you've heard well, of. No, Nielsen's a guy who has made big money in the past and has been a contributor to good teams. I just I loved the way you phrased it because that's the way you made it sound. Yeah. Like, you know who he is. And Adam Ernie, who I don't know, that line combined all season has three points. Adam Ernie is a made-up name. It probably. It's like the auto-generated in NHL 20. That'd be my, yeah, that's my prevailing theory. I hope this is not where the Blackhawks are headed. And hopefully the the fact that the Red Wings are doing this right in front of their faces would motivate them to be like, oh, my God, if we keep going on the path we're on, we're screwed. And look, you can say, yeah, but the Hawks have Kirby Doc and they've got Adam Boquist. Well, you know what? The Red Wings have Dylan Larkin and Athanasiu and a bunch of young players and Anthony Monta who have not. They've got them. They're there. They're good. But the team sucks. It's th- this is I- I'm really worried. This is what it's going to become. And I-, I don't know what the answer is, because even if you do say, quote, full rebuild, you're not going to get top return for these guys, except maybe Kane. Someone will give you a top prospect to add Patrick Kane, but you're not getting a top pick for Taves or Keith or Seabrook. Right. It's, and Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, if you want to move them at the deadline and have Lankinen and Delia come up and finish out the season. First of all, you probably can't because you don't have enough goalies in the organization. But you're only going to get picks for those guys, too. It's just, and they're not going to be first-round picks or second-round picks, the kind of guys that are going to make a difference. They're stuck. You know, Dan Bernstein talks about it on the score all the time, basketball hell. The Hawks are in hockey hell. There's no real way out of this unless Doc and Boquist become your next Taves and Keith. And you hope that DeBrinkit can find what he had his first two seasons again. Then maybe, just maybe. But I don't. nothing I see from Kirby Doc tells me he's the next Jonathan Taves. Not yet. I'm not saying he can't be. But Taves came in right away and was great right away. And yeah, he was older. There's no doubt. But he also had a year of college under his belt. Of course. Too, don't forget. Of course. But I don't know. I just don't see a way out of this situation. And that's a bad place to be. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that pretty extensively, that there's no easy answer to this, but you also can't just maintain the status quo either. I agree. Like, you can't yeah. you can't act like everything's going to be fine and just wait for it to uh, turn around. Like, every team has dealt with bad contracts in the past, and there are, there are ways that you get rid of them. Sometimes you have to give up extra draft picks or extra prospects or Tabo Teravainen to get out from under bad deals. Hey, I tried to just slip it in there, dude. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thank you. But I mean, that's the reality of it, man. Sometimes you have to give those things up to get out from under those deals. And I don't know what kind of sweetener you could possibly add to Brent Seabrook other than retaining salary, which I mean, Again, like three million would be better than almost seven if that's the way they ended up going, you know, 
like that, that to me is probably the only way you get rid of him is by retaining salary and giving up a top tier prospect or two. And obviously the Blackhawks aren't exactly flush with top tier prospects, but at a certain point in a rebuild, you have to just go, look, this is going to take two or three years at least. These prospects that we have now, yeah, they'll be NHL ready at the end of that. But in the meantime, they're potentially worth more as trade chips because you're not competing. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's, again, like you said, no easy way out. But the one thing I am really sure of is that I don't want Stan Bowman executing those trades exactly. and trying to rebuild this See, thing. That's the thing. And, and as much as I was sort of feeling like maybe you wait until the offseason to just clean house, fire Cowton, fire Bowman. Those are months you got to bring in someone to be the GM who does not feel love for the 2010s Blackhawks, that they can just coldly cut ties and say, this guy isn't good anymore or he's not worth what he's being paid anymore and we have to move him. Stan Bowman has affection for these guys, and of course he does. We all do, right? It's totally understandable and a reasonable way for him to feel, but someone's got to come in here and and do this hard, painful rebuild. I don't think Bowman's going to do it, and you're right. Do you trust him at this point? He's the one who signed Brent Seabrook to that deal in the first place. You trust He's the one who signed everybody to all these deals. I mean, look, Stan Bowman talks to, what, four teams in the league? He talks to uh, Carolina, Columbus, Arizona, and who else is he with? Montreal. That's it. Those are the four teams that Stan Bowman ever deals with. Maybe none of them want those guys. Well, he just throws up his hands. Well, there's no other teams in the league. What could I possibly do? I, I don't know. I don't trust him to do anything. If they fire him today, I'm totally 100% down with that. The problem is, are they just going to bring in a guy who's been here all along and Al McIsaac, who's just going to be more of the same? I already told you what my like nightmare scenario is for that. Recap it for the audience that missed it. <sighs> I hate saying these words, but can you just imagine the Blackhawks organization going, we want someone who has experience building a Stanley Cup winner and extensive experience running multiple teams? We sure do. We're hiring Peter Chiarelli. It's not going to happen. There's no way. I, I We never thought that they'd be able to get rid of Brandon Manning. <laughs> yeah, and he's the guy they got rid of him to. That should be that should show them. Oh my god, that guy traded for Brandon Manning. No, no, that's not our GM. No chance. <laughs> no. All right, let's cleanse the cat. Let's cleanse the cat. Cleanse the cat. <laughs> let's cleanse the palate and tell you about our friends at Barrel Club in Oakland, forty nine ten West one hundred eleventh Street, BarrelClubIllinois.com. Join their Spirit of the Month Club. I did, and I got the apple pie moonshine. Oh boy, it's gonna be a fun and warm Christmas for me. I am very, very excited. I also got a bottle of that for uh, our white elephant uh, party that we had on uh, Sunday. The person that got that prize was very happy and very unwilling to trade. But it's not just the the, uh, spirits. It's not just the cocktails. The food at Barrel Club is outstanding. The steaks, the seafood, even the salads, the burgers are terrific. And they've got those pierogies that are amazing. James, you had the bone-in meatloaf that looked absolutely fantastic, and you they said... They posted a photo of that last night, and it made me hungry all over Yeah, again. they sure did. So make sure you check out the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street, BarrelClubIllinois.com. And, of course, we want to throw a shout-out to Triple Threat Sports, our original sponsor for all your team and corporate outfitting needs. Call Chris, 708-478-6090. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. All right. I think we've beaten this Blackhawks horse to a bloody, bloody pulp at this point. 
Why don't we take a quick time out? We're going to come back and discuss this continuing mystery around Brent Seabrook's status. We're going to fill in some blanks there. We're going to speculate a little bit. And then we're also going to, because it's Christmas Eve, we're going to give two gifts to the Blackhawks. One is a need and one is a want. So a fun gift and a sensible gift, which is what, you know, my parents always talked about when I was a kid. You know, you need some socks, but you can also get a video game, that sort of thing. We're going to assign those gifts to the Blackhawks uh, towards the end of the show. So stick around. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come in to train the camp the best of shape, but... Well, well you I'm, did one time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, 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 well. Subscribe now to The Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. He's James Naveau out in Bourbon A. Hey, I got it right this week. I didn't call myself you. That's a, that's a good start. Wanna We're making you, progress. <laughs> we want to tell you about our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. They've got locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And when you're there, make sure you check out the specials. Man, the specials are where it's at. Everything at Chuck's is amazing. But every day, they've got some amazing special available for you. My favorite is the Saturday special. The Coach Anita Pabil, it's the uh, pork shoulder. Oh, my God. It's just absolutely tremendous. It's one of the best meals you'll ever have in your life. Every day, they've got the delicious cobblers for dessert. So make sure you go to Chuck's. It's very tempting to pig out on entrees and not leave any room. But you have to know, you've got to save space for the cobbler. Today's special in Burbank, chiles and nogada. That's two roasted poblano chiles. Picadillo, uh, walnut sauce, pomegranate seeds, and t- ch- tomato chipotle rice. This is a, an example of the great things they have at Chuck's. That's just oh, that's just today's special. Tomorrow they'll have something else, just as good, just as, as inventive. So well, go maybe there. not tomorrow. Tomorrow's Christmas. Oh yeah, they're probably closed tomorrow. But you know, <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> go visit our friends at Chuck's Cafe, Burbank, Darien, Chuck'sCafe.com. All right. So if you've missed this stuff, and I know. Around the holidays, people get busy. They start to tune out sports a little bit as family parties roll around. Here's the timeline of the Brent Seabrook situation, okay? Last Wednesday, December 18th, he took part in the morning skate ahead of the game against the Colorado Avalanche. Took part in the morning skate, came off the ice, met the media, everything was normal. There was no comment of an injury, anything like that. He was a healthy scratch for that game. The Hawks lost that game 4-1. to one at the United Center. The next day, the Blackhawks played the Winnipeg Jets. Brent Seabrook did not travel to Winnipeg because he was undergoing medical evaluation. Okay? So, morning skate Wednesday, healthy scratch. Then all of a sudden, something happened between the morning skate and the flight to Winnipeg where he couldn't go. 
misses a game Saturday, the 5-3 win against Colorado. That night, Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet has a report about Brent Seabrook's future. I'm going to share that audio with you guys right now. Just an interesting story out of Chicago, and that's that Brent Seabrook didn't play the other night and he won't play again tonight against Colorado, and they're saying he's getting some things looked at. You know, here's what we can kind of tell. Brent Seabrook is one tough guy, and he has played through a lot of things, and there's been a few nagging injuries, I understand, that he just hasn't even really gotten looked at. So what they're doing right now is they're going through the process, they're trying to determine exactly what's wrong with them and how much time it needs. Now, this is something that could potentially, depending on the results, mean he could miss quite a bit of time, but they don't know yet. But that's kind of the situation where it stands. I think they're preparing for the possibility it could be out a while but i think everybody feels chris that this is a guy who needs to get healthy for the sake of his own career too so there's elliot friedman that audio courtesy of sportsnet in canada very vague he's not really saying what's wrong or how long he'll be out i I don't know this whole thing is very strange to me then yesterday before the game john deets has an has an exclusive with sam bowman asking about seabrook's status Bowman says, quote, we should have an announcement on that soon. He's had some medical challenges he's been dealing with for a while, and we wanted to finally get some diagnostics. When we have something to announce, we will. What? Yeah, that is super vague and And completely at odds with Duncan keep getting all pissed off at them for healthy scratching uh, Seabrook when he came back. So clearly the decision to kind of evaluate Seabrook wasn't made like just you know immediately clearly it was a developing thing which makes it even stranger it's just i don't know i don't know what to make of this and again i i don't know anything about this i've been asking and no one has any answers um and and some of my better sources are as confused as i am on this believe it or not but like this to me is leading up to him being shut down for the year or something stan bowman said it could be using quotes, could be a long-term thing, which is usually what they say when, yes, it is a long-term thing. Um, It's just bizarre. And as much as we all know that Brent Seabrook, his contract is problematic and it's going to hamstring the Blackhawks for a long time, if this is the way things end with Brent Seabrook, with like some sort of made-up ailment or I don't know, I just, I don't know what the right way to do it is. But this just feels kind of gross, and it definitely feels to me like it's leading up to something. There's been no, oh, he's got a lot of medical issues. Yes, I know. Did he not have those Wednesday morning? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, what changed? Something changed. And and the only change, the only thing that happened between Wednesday morning and Wednesday night was him being a healthy scratch. Is he demanding a trade? If that's the case, I can't imagine they would come out and say he's being medically evaluated. No, I don't think that would be what they would do. I think they would continue to say, we don't think he's one of our six best defensemen right now. I mean, that's not ideal, but it's better than, hey, this might be damaged goods that we're talking about here. I hate to be so crass about it, but that's kind of the way you would have to approach it if that was the case. Yeah, so I don't know what to make of this. And now the Hawks are off for the next three days, uh, today, tomorrow, Christmas Day, obviously, and Thursday the 26th. They're back in action on Friday against the New York Islanders. Maybe we'll have some news then. I would imagine they'll have a clearer picture of these medical issues by Friday. 
But it's just weird. The whole thing is weird. No one seems to know what's going on. Yesterday, John Dietz publishes that piece right before the game. Jeremy Cowan meets the media after, and no one asks. No one said a word to Jeremy Cowan about it. I thought that was completely bizarre. There are scenarios, and I will acknowledge this as a member of the media, where a PR staff will say, Jeremy's coming out in two minutes, no questions about Brent Seabrook's status. I don't know if that happened, but there are times where that happens. So before I, I don't want to bust toss our members of the media who we like very no. much, but it just it adds to the mystery of it. Of that's course, all. I just how is that not asked? And I think all those guys, John Dietz was in that room, so you'd figure he would have, <laughs> he'd want to ask the question. So I, I don't know if the Blackhawks said you can't ask it, but those things do happen from time to time. So it's just bizarre. It's just such a weird thing, and. I don't know. It's kind of hard to evaluate what it means, mm-hmm. but it just it just feels kind of icky, kind of weird. I, I, something right. seems up, and and, it, I, and I certainly don't want to speculate as to what it is either. Like that that I think is completely out of bounds right now. I'm not going to sit here and be like, is it a back thing? Is it a concussion? We have no idea, and it would be kind of irresponsible to just start throwing speculation out, speculation out. Excuse me. So yeah, I think that. It's just it's a very interesting and a very fluid situation, clearly. And there's obviously a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes right now about how they're going to deal with this from both a practical hockey perspective, from a PR perspective, and most importantly, from a, the perspective of the health of Brent Seabrook. Well, I think it, it, it I don't know if it needs to be said, but I want to say it just because I, I think it's necessary. I don't think there's anybody on this team that has given more of themselves than Brent Seabrook. That's a dude who, even when he's not playing well, is giving you everything he's got. He's always done that. He's done that every shift of his career as a Blackhawk. That's been one guy who I don't think I've ever questioned the work ethic of. There's even been, like last night, Jonathan Taves flat out quit on a couple plays defensively, right? I don't think I've ever seen that from Brent Seabrook. His body can't do what his mind and his heart want him to do anymore, but the desire is still there, and it's always been there. So I don't doubt that Brent Seabrook's body is a disaster. It has to be. He never yeah. misses time. When he plays, he plays hard. He blocks shots. He finishes checks. He plays a hard-nosed style of hockey, and he has for a long time, not to mention all those long playoff runs he's been through. Those are brutal on the body as well. I don't doubt there's anything. Of course, there's going to be things wrong with Brent Seabrook. Just the way it's all going down is very mysterious. The Again, morning skate last Wednesday. Then he's a healthy scratch. Then something happened between morning skate and health and and flight to Winnipeg where he can't go. It's just weird. I don't know. And yeah. maybe if he knew he was going to be scratched, he didn't want to go to Winnipeg, which is reasonable. But then they say, yeah, medical testing. And I don't know. The whole thing is kind of gross and I don't like it. And I just want an answer because I'm selfish. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to know. I just want to know what's going on. I hate being in the dark about this stuff. Well, and I and I also hate that this is like how Brent Seabrook's like time in Chicago, like this is, you know, part of this is going to be how his legacy might be defined in the eyes of some fans like that. He, you know, had a really good, successful run. He signed the big contract and then it kind of was all downhill from there. Like, I hate that people seem to kind of harbor that feeling, that negative feeling about a guy who was instrumental in those three Stanley Cups without number seven on the ice, that wouldn't have happened. Like we, you know, we've obviously been very critical of Stan Bowman and the contract and 
you know, we've criticized Brent Seabrook's play when he's deserved it, when we think that he's not doing the right things out on the ice. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when you're talking about an issue that's potentially long term like this, I think it gives you a reason to go back and look at this kind of from the long term perspective. And you realize that ultimately, at the end of all this, Brent Seabrook's time in Chicago was an overwhelming positive for this team. And again, they wouldn't have accomplished what they accomplished without him. And I think that it'd be good probably right now for Blackhawk fans who are kind of down in the dumps about the way the team's been playing lately to maybe maybe take that little trip back down memory lane or remember the good times that Brent Seabrook has helped provide this organization and, you know, let the chips fall where they may with this health stuff. Like we all want answers with it, but we also should keep in mind like the good that Brent Seabrook ultimately did for the team. And I think that'll at least help. It'll help me at least a little bit past the time until, you know, we find out what the heck's going on. Yeah, no doubt. And there have been some incredible moments uh, of Brent Seabrook's career. Uh, none to me more noticeable or notable than the game seven overtime elimination of the Detroit Red Wings in 2013. Probably my favorite moment of the uh, of the cup era dynasty. I just that to me after years and years of being a Hawks fan and the Red Wings just kicking your faces in night after night after night to see the Hawks come back from down in that series three games to one come back and win it in game seven of overtime at home Brent Seabrook's little like kind of knuckle puck from the slot oh, that that to me is the moment of the dynasty for me personally yeah because it just meant so much to eliminate the Red Wings you know and I, uh man go ahead sorry no that's it it's just it was just uh that's when I, when I tell the story of those teams to my grandkids, that will probably be the first story I start with. I, I've been on record as saying that Marion Hosa's game winner against Nashville in 2010 is probably the Pretty most great. endearing <laughs> image of the Blackhawks dynasty, at least to me, just because it was one of those moments where it had the potential to be just a complete disaster. They were about to go 3-2 three de- three, down in the series. Patrick Kane scores the improbable goal, and then Hosa jumps out of the penalty box and is a hero and just an iconic image of him sliding across the ice. The one thing I wanted to add with Brent Seabrook, I'm a little bit selfish. So my favorite Brent Seabrook playoff moment was the game winner in game five against the Boston Bruins in 2013. Just so happened to be, you know, it was my birthday. So like the fact that Brent Seabrook won a game for the Blackhawks, a Stanley cup final game on my birthday, obviously is just a really awesome memory that I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. It's one of my uh, favorite sports moments. All right. Well, speaking of cherished memories, it is Christmas Eve. And while James and I had sort of a bigger picture Christmas thing planned, maybe um, last night's crushing loss to the New Jersey Devils and the Brent Seabrook situation has sort of derailed things. So we've decided we're going to do a practical gift and a fun gift for the Blackhawks. I have two picked out, and James, I know you have two as well. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um, How about this? Why don't I go first with my fun gift? Okay. And then you can do your two gifts, and then I'll do my sense. Oh, we're gift. doing a snake draft. We'll do the snake draft. <laughs> All right. All right. My fun gift for the Blackhawks is a defenseman, actually, who's actually capable of playing the point on the power play. Like, that's that's what I want. I want a guy. I don't care if he's good at, you know, defense or not. I want a guy who's Eric Gustafson, but actually good at offense. Okay, that's a fair request. (laughs) My fun gift 
and I feel like it's coming, is a Robin Leonard fight. <laughs> He's going to fight somebody. I just see it. The fire in his eyes when guys get in his crease, and the Hawks have been dropping the gloves with regularity lately. The moment's going to come where Robin Leonard's had enough of his teammates, and he takes it out on an opponent. So that's <laughs> that's gonna, that's my Christmas gift of fun uh, for the Blackhawks and Blackhawks fans. It's a Robin Leonard fight. My practical gift is a clue. The understanding that they're not the team they used to be and that they have to play hard every single night to have a chance to win these hockey games. The good news is for the Blackhawks that when they do play hard and they do compete and they do play physically and they do commit that they can beat good teams. We've seen it over and over again this year. So if they can get a clue and get some consistency in their efforts, they're going to have a more consistent win-loss result. So that's my boring yet sensible present for the Blackhawks. Ugh, yeah, my uh, my sensible present might not fit under the uh, Christmas tree, but I'm going to uh, try to jam it in there anyway. A new collective bargaining agreement that gives oh. salary cap hit <laughs> discounts to homegrown players. I love that. I, I think that when you look back at all the players the Blackhawks have had over the years that they've had to get rid of, for salary cap reasons. And if they had had a provision like that, they wouldn't have had to make some of those decisions. We could have been looking at a way better dynasty than what we ended up getting. So I, I think that that might be a fun gift kind of because, you know, it obviously would have made some more good memories for Hawks fans. But I also find it very sensible and very reasonable to reward teams that can develop talent. I love that idea. And I know we've discussed that before. Um, that just makes so much sense. If there was some kind of, like, you're right, like a 15% savings or something like that on the cap hit, if you develop the player yourself. When you think of all the Hawks cap casualties, they've all been developed here. All the ones that matter. Like, yeah, you lost, like, Ben Eager and you lost Andrew Ladd the first time. Like, fine. But, like, Bufflin, Tavo, Sod the first time, Panarin, all these guys you had to get rid of to make cap space. If there was some sort of discount, maybe one or two of those guys are still here. And how different does that team look? If you've got Tavo Teravainen as your second-line center and Dylan Strom as your third, how does that team look? How are they competing every night? How does your future core look with, well, of course, you probably wouldn't have Kirby Doc if you had Teravainen, but still, right? The butterfly effect changes a lot of things, but I love that idea, and I think it makes a lot of sense, and it Look, a lot of the teams that have been punished by the salary cap have been victims of their own quality drafting and developing. It's not like they've gone spend crazy, you know, and the Hawks have done that with their own guys. But I, I love that idea. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, Reward I, I, teams I for, don't think you should be punished for being able to develop players. Isn't that what the collective bargaining agreement and the salary cap are all about? It's about parity and rewarding you for being able to be creative and to be good at developing young players that are cheaper. Like, I, I don't yeah, get it. I thought so. All right, before we wrap up the show, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. You know them for their poor boys, but they've got so much more to offer than just the poor boys. Yeah, they're amazing. You're going to want to go eat those. They're fantastic. But go try the giant onion rings. Go get the twice-baked potato. Go try James's favorite, the Yodel Burger. They've got a big craft beer menu. Bring the family, bring your friends. You'll go back again and again to Marishka's. They are closed only on Christmas, Easter, 
the 4th of July and Thanksgiving, so go visit them, marishkas.com, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. And we want to thank our other sponsors, of course, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090, Barrel Club in Oaklawn, 4910 West 111th Street, barrelclubillinois.com, and Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Have a Merry Christmas. Have Happy Holidays. And James and I will be back with our End of the Decade Team Show. That's going to happen on Monday. James and I are going to assign our All-Decade Team. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a really great time. So thanks again from James Neveau and from me, Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. (laughs) Aw, babe, just a few. (laughs) All right, I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. (laughs) The smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. Aw, babe, just a few. (laughs) All right, I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. (laughs) The smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.